You're very welcome back to Honey, You're Ruining Our Kid, the parenting podcast from the Irishman Abroad Podcast Network with me, Jarlath Regan. And of course, as always, team. Hello there. What a week we've had, Jarlath. It's been a bit mad, hasn't it? This episode has been delayed because we were either vomiting or away. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of traveling now, to, to be honest. And there was a delay in... Dublin Airport in Heathrow oh yesterday to get back. God. That really messed up any chance of this episode coming out on yeah. time. Five hour delay because of wind. And I'm not. I've heard some crap excuses from kids yeah. in the past. <laughs> Diddy, there was wind. And you're like, you're a plane. It was you're hard to believe heavier. Them because you couldn't see the wind. It wasn't windy yeah. outside. They're like, it's, it's too windy to take off. You're yeah. like, five hours. Yeah, but we got home a load of flights. It wasn't just Ireland the flights were getting delayed, it was all over the world and a load of flights got cancelled. Windy all over the world, Windy was all it? over the world, yeah. It was fierce windy now when we fierce were taken windy. off, Jarlett. I don't know how you missed that. I've never, I don't, I don't I'm know. not afraid of flying. I love flying. I love being in my seat and not being able to do anything for an hour. But I maybe didn't notice it because I was so cranky. You yesterday were, I was... You cranky yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Were you a little bit cranky yesterday? I'm never cranky, as you know, mm, from listening mm. to this show. I'm always a ray of sunshine and mm. none of the stories relate to my Larry <laughs> David tendencies. But uh, I just was, it wasn't like a, my tank was out of gas. Yeah. Just the whole battery was dead. A week of vomiting and yeah. <laughs> the flu and shows and yeah. traveling. I'm sure loads of parents out there can relate to just this point where you don't even have the energy to be in good form or pretend to be in good form. Oh, you're just so fatigued by it all, aren't you? You're just so tired. Mm. I was also around you too much. <laughs> you were just, it was just too much, Tina. I find it really stressful when Charlotte's really cranky, though, because I remember my friend Aoife saying to me, does Charlotte not know that some people know who he is? And when he acts like that, they're going, oh, my God, Charlie Regan's so cranky. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. you can't hide it. No. Like, you're just an angry face and you're angry. It is pissed off. It's all on well, your face. My perfect example, right? There was a guy who was, like, coming back from Vietnam who was, like, uh, going through the airport. And he's like, uh, how's it going, everybody? And I'm like, everybody wants quiet. But I couldn't, right now. I honestly Can couldn't understand your problem with that guy. Because to me, first of all, his poor girlfriend was on crutches. Yeah, they had that their, was sad. The, their airplane, the engine had blown out on Not them. in midair. You don't know that because you refuse to talk to him. I was like, this is the friendliest person ever. I was delighted with him. Jar was like, don't look in his direction or he will talk to us. I was like, fucking hell, oh, here I am. But Tina, I, that is a reflection of how tired I was. I couldn't even see that this was just a friendly man. He was adorable. And he I kept coming like, over to let us know the updates on the plane. I was like, thank I was like, you. I was super uh, grateful. And Jar was, like, was like, we can see the board. Yeah. <laughs> This is what I was doing yesterday. Jerry was like, I think, I think I'll hear the announcement. The funnest thing that happened at the airport was that Donal and Breen Gleason were, were sitting where we were sitting. And Donal... Just and, away from us. They yeah, couldn't see us. They couldn't see us. But um, when they walked in, they're very nice people that we don't really know that well. You did yeah. a podcast with Donal a long time ago for, mm. on the Neil and um, Shane podcast. No, I've never interviewed Don. No, no, you didn't interview him. You were with I him. Was on you the show. and him were yeah. guests on the show. What was that podcast called again? I can't it was remember. Amazing. But 
I asked him to do Irishman Abroad about 10 years ago. Yeah, at around the same time. And he was he just the, Then he got the role in Star Wars. And he wasn't allowed to do he a lot told of he stuff. He wasn't allowed. Yeah. So he had emailed me Fair and said enough. he was able to do it. Yeah. But I, for whatever reason, because I was probably emailing so many people at the time, mm. because email constantly mm. sending emails, I I think I forgot that he'd emailed me to say he can't do it. So I was like, look, let me know when suits to do this. Like I just acted like that email hadn't happened. Yeah, yeah. And I sent about, because this is the level of persistence that produces Irishman abroad, maybe 15 of these over the course of a three year period. Yeah, yeah. I like the hustle. I don't think you should be embarrassed about the hustle. But, but then I realised yeah. and I emailed him and went, listen, I just read this email. I was like, I don't know how I didn't take this in. I'm so sorry that I've been emailing you going, when are we going to do this? Yeah. But consequently, since we saw Donald Leeson since then, there's been a real weirdness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, at the airport, because we're all stuck in the lounge. I said, Jerry, you have your... Uh, you have, have your, your mic. Moment here. <laughs> I was have like, my mic in the back. Just go over and corner it <laughs> and be like, now? <laughs> <laughs> just, just see his face like a cornered animal. How's <laughs> about, about now? How's about now? <laughs> I mean, you go, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. We're all delayed. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the only thing we laughed about. And then you yeah. went back to then being cranky. Then I went cranky. back to being yeah. very cranky. Yeah, you weren't helping matters now. I was an angel. Oh. And as usual, guys, if there's one theme of this podcast, it's that Tina gets to say, Jar, you do this, you do that. And then I turn to her. What do you do? Do you? I'm an angel. <laughs> well, I am. Hi, Tina and Jar. Let's hope you are all good. I have to ask for you a tip on how to get your middle child to play properly. Every time there is even a hint of a game not going his way, he spits the dummy and storms off. Sounds very familiar to me. <laughs> uh, as in, I'm remembering my own childhood here. <laughs> I've spoken to him about it. I've spoken to him about sportsmanship. And in fairness, his brother does melt his head. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we've both got experience with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he melts his head, goading him by the tiniest little smirk. Now, yeah, the smirk, the old smirk. Smirk in the side of the eye when you know that they're at boiling point. <laughs> I mean, I gave as good as I got. Let's be totally honest. And I'd say you did too. Let's be clear. I just want him to enjoy his games. And that is the mm. thing. You just want him to have fun. He loves board games. Jigsaws, drawing, Lego. But if it's a game, mm. the competitive edge kicks in when it's air hockey, pool, table tennis it descends into anarchy or as right. she says Mila murder <laughs> she's the Irish for many murders <laughs> <laughs> what um, does she do I can definitely I'm like, not I've got priors here yeah but I'm not saying it's okay mm. but I just wonder does he just save this for the family or is it when he's around his friends as well, well? I would say that mom is present as the kind of lifeguard or <laughs> Literally the security that if she wasn't present, it'd be a lot less um, uh, like this is probably a pretty mannerly version that she's saying when yeah. she's not there. I'd say headlocks and, uh, and nuggies and Chinese burns are handed yeah. out. It's a really hard one because you, you're dealing with their actual spirit and their, you know, their actual competitiveness. Um, their spirit. 
Well, as in they're kind of, you know, they want to win. And they, they oh, haven't their competitive quite, spirit. Yeah. They haven't quite learned that it's not just about the winning, it's about the taking part. Do you think that's what it is? Or is it that um, I just don't like when the world isn't my the way I like it, that there's a control issue? I don't know if it's consciously control. I think as you get older, it is. If you're an, if you're a teenager or grown up acting this way, yeah, you, you're too controlling and you need to cop the fuck on. But when they're younger, I think that they're just they're just so laser focused on winning and beating the other people in the game that that's all they're thinking about and they're missing the joy of the actual game. Mm. Okay. And it's really tricky. Can I put something else to you? <laughs> yeah, sorry. That I think there's many parents that will describe a child who's only like this with the siblings. Mm. But actually yeah. when they go and play at the club, they're good. Yeah. But the siblings just like going home for the mm. national don't react to what your family says to you championships. Yes. Christmas festival. Yeah, they know I do. They know that that smirk, that side yeah. eye smirk, that there might be six of one and half a dozen of the other, that two things can be true here. Mm. Your child's overly competitive, mm. but his brother is equally a poor sportsman in the niggle. Oh, absolutely. And that's what I was saying at the start is that. Is it with his friends or his family? Because I think those are two completely different things. And sometimes your child can actually be completely capable of enjoying the game and not taking it too seriously and is well able to control his, uh, in, you know, his wants in that game and be um, sociable and, and kind. And then that's nearly harder to watch. When you know, hang on, you're fully capable mm, of this. You're a great teammate. Yeah, down the but club. you're being horrific to us here because you know that we're your family and you'll be forgiven. That's harder to watch, but still, I'd prefer that yeah, than the no, child who's just out of control everywhere. And what we've seen, certainly with our own lad, is uh, a lack of competitiveness with others, mm. but full on competitiveness us. Oh yeah, it wants to destroy us in the game. So this is something we're working on all the time yeah. too. And there's so many things that have helped. We've come a long way with Mikey when we're playing with him. Yeah, so we have put a lot of work into helping our guy mm. and you know, this is a common problem every family has, unfortunately. And uh, there are things to do that don't feel like the right thing to do, but actually are in this case, where sometimes you think for an easier life, let's just let him win. When actually that's the wrong thing to do, because what you have to start doing is modeling, you know, helping him through those emotions he feels when he loses. He needs to practice that. A long time ago, you were the one who was like, you had a very, a way better instinct about this in terms of we need to play more games. We need to actually practice the whole game playing, practice losing, practice winning. And that's really important, actually. Not only how do they lose, how do they win? So really, is it just about modeling the behavior you want, ignoring as much as you can the bad behavior and teaching them, helping them through it, hold their hand through the game. Definitely, if there's an agitator there who knows how to push the buttons, that child needs to be warned before the game begins. If I see you doing that, there's there's a consequence for you because you know you know what that's going to lead to. 
And that's not fair when you know your brother's working on this. So it comes under the category of grace and courtesy, does it? Yeah, it's you're teaching them social, social um, norms and social cues and you're you're teaching them how to interact socially. And like you need to talk to them about how this isn't okay. You're going to make a holy show of yourself somewhere. If you are doing even if you're just if they're just saving it for the family and you think, well, at least he doesn't do this with his friends. There will be a day when he does do it with his friends and he'll make a holy show of himself and he will be mortified about it. There's no harm either sometimes and maybe when it's all kicking off, stick the video on. What video? On your phone. Record it. Oh. And then later on when it's all calmed down, show Show him back. Show him. This is how you look. Like you're out of control. We need to work on this. We need to figure out a way of bringing you back to a calmness when you start feeling like this. Because look how your feelings are. You're completely out of control. We've all had siblings who have been hard to play with. Like, mm. like when uh, Mario Kart was a problem, uh, the first time I saw this was playing Mario Kart and, you know, tears at losses. And, and you're just talking about me. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mainly <laughs> Tina here. And but that's uh, because, Charlotte, you're a terrible man for the trash talk. When you're playing a game. Yeah, I would. I would uh, talk junk, uh, but it's playful. Yeah, but you're the agitator in this. What I find with you is that you can't handle any form of silliness in in a win. That like I would say after I win a game, um, guys, I, I need to get to, I'm just pulling up Google Maps here. I would. We'd won the game and I go, I'm just pulling up Google Maps. And you'd be like, why? And I'm like, <laughs> I need to find my way to the I party. need to find my way to where I've got to collect my trophy. Yeah, Jerry, you know what? I'd agree with you. If you she, hadn't lived with humor. the most mild mannered yeah, person in the world, Shane Langan, the quietest, loveliest man in the world, you drove him to the to the edge like playing Mario Kart with you in Edinburgh nearly made him lose his mind did it yes it did you and your jokes about what was your joke about your power ups or something (laughs) (laughs) well like there's but here's the thing this is why this is such a um, difficult area because there is a line between a smirk Mm. and goading Yeah. And what Um, I uh, grew up with was you had to learn to talk smack back. mm. And that to the winner, the spoils, the winner was allowed, had had earned the mm. right to talk smack to you because they could back it up. That's really important what you're saying is because we've all been raised so differently this way. And like, look at what's happened to our generation of kids. They're so afraid of kids feeling the emotion of being a loser and not having won that they're afraid to actually celebrate the winners now because Mm. we've all grown up with this like really horrible feeling in us about how it felt to have the winner shove it in your face. Mm. Like there's a there's a balance we haven't quite got to yet in society where it's like, I definitely think that if a child wins a race, they deserve to get their medal. Hmm. And that the other kids should congratulate them and think in their heads, 
I'll Someday do it next time. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's okay for the child who wins the race to stand there while every single kid in the race gets a medal and they yeah. think, what was yeah, the point? That's a whole, that's a whole debate, yeah. right? Yeah. But let's go back to the actual question. Yeah. Where this mom is saying that if this kid is playing pool or table tennis against mm. a sibling, the second he loses a point. Or feels like he's losing. The game is over. Yeah. The, the toys are out of the pram. Storm off. Yeah. Slam door. I'm not playing this. And that is where the mom has to make him return. Back, return and continue the game. You don't get to storm off. You even don't get if he's to, crying and refusing to play it properly and hitting his bat Absolutely. off the table. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to be like, you You started this game. We're, we never do this. This is unfair on the other people. You're teaching them about, it's not just about your experience. There's someone else here. Hmm. You're not the only participant. And you have to come back and finish it out. And at the end, you have to practice the shaking hands and saying, well done, good game. Here's the scary part. Sorry. <laughs> you don't get on top of this. Yeah. Yeah, that is the scary part. And that's These what people about. grow up to be dickheads. Yeah, I'm not you're wondering you're... where the dickheads come from in your world. Yeah. Many of them didn't have a parent to do what Tina's describing. Like, but I think about guys I've played sports against yeah. who were arses. I'm not calling you a dickhead, but sometimes when we play Mario Kart, I did get nosebleeds from the stress of it. Well, that's on you. Yeah, but I couldn't cope with the trash like that's talk. That's maybe you not practicing as a kid, not taking, like, Tina, you do take things seriously playing games. Yeah, but I never. Like, so you're putting it all on me. But like there's obviously I'm not perfect no. in how I play games. And that to me, part of the fun of the game is a bit of back and forth mm. chatter. Yeah. Whereas you want me to play in silence <laughs> and Tina is sitting forward in the chair, moving the controller as if it's a steering yeah, wheel. Like I don't take the win seriously. I take the playing seriously you like, don't take the win seriously no. you don't say words like ba-boom <laughs> in your face <laughs> suck it you've not said these words Tina to Mikey to Mikey and me you've not done victory dances <laughs> no I have not I mean this is this is very hard to have the blind leading the blind here. <laughs> yeah it, it, well, you know, that is reassuring for this moment that we're all struggling with this. Like, we are all struggling with so this. You would say bring him back to the table yeah. each time. Each time. Absolutely. Explain to no them. No matter that, how hard that is. Well, I mean, he, at the start of the game, because you're aware of this kid's behavior, you have to tell them. If you act like that, you're finishing this out. You mm. do not get to leave. You're agreeing to play the game to its conclusion. Yeah. you. Yeah. So you're aware that he behaves that way. So before the game comes out. Come in with the warnings. This is how it's, yeah. Come in with how it's what's expected mm. and what will happen. Mm. Um, and then, you know, afterwards, when he's made it through the game, praise him for that. Tell him I was so happy. I really saw growth in you today because even though it got tricky, even though it was so difficult, you stuck okay. with and it. And what about the goader? He has to be warned too. He has to be told, "I spot you doing that to your brother. You're out. You you don't so get he's him. out." Yeah. Is the game over then? But, oh, okay. A different consequence. You know, but like, but do you, but in Sorry tennis, you know, you're Nick Kyrgios. Yeah. You break a racket, you get a, uh, a penalty point. Mm. So does the parent actually have to go, right, well, if it's pool and you start goading him, I'm putting one of your balls down. 
Oh yeah, or you take a point away or something like that. Yeah, that's a good idea. It is so hard because there's a fine line. You want them to be a little bit competitive. You don't want them to be a douche. It does not sound like competitiveness is going to be a problem here. And in some ways with Mikey and that, I'm like, I'm delighted that he's sad when he loses. Yeah, sometimes I think it might be a good idea if you say to them, I know you're going to have a lot of feelings during this game. There's going to be a lot of anger. So here's a notebook. And when you're having them, write them in. During the game? Yeah, whatever you want. Whatever you want to say to your brother, write it in. Write it down. Both time out, everybody. I'm just going to write down my feelings about this game. I don't know if that's a legit suggestion. I oh, haven't tried it, so you haven't tried it Maybe during tried a game. Yeah, it's during a game. She's like, Mom, he's writing his feelings <laughs> down again. He's ruining the game. <laughs> I don't like it. How are you making me feel? I'm feeling angry. <laughs> See, but that's bad shit. <laughs> like, Maybe write them down afterwards. Like, yeah, I was like, like that'd be know. actually a great delaying tactic if you're about to lose the game. <laughs> it's been feelings time out. Yeah, um, there's a lot of good tips here, but, but I just don't think the feelings notebook is. I one think of them. the most important part of this whole question is the mom is aware. Because that is where the problem lies. It's the raising of the kids. And yeah, but she is she got a bit of this in herself. We don't know that. But I mean, it's how you raise because that's what we're coming you're coming like some houses will encourage that. Mm-hmm. They will. Mm-hmm. Some houses will encourage co- competitiveness. Ah, why can't I say the words? You say it? Competitiveness, yeah, yeah, you said it. Between siblings, cousins, friends. Yeah. So well done, this mom recognizing, okay, something unhealthy is happening here. I need to help him. Yeah. And you're not going to get rid of this. Totally toxic. Yeah, yeah. Before it becomes so, what you're going to give him is the tools to not say everything he's mm. thinking when he's playing the game. You can keep some of it to it yourself. To his advantage. Yeah. Yeah. To try and go to enjoying it. Mm. Yeah. And to see it through. Super, super stuff. I don't know if that Honey, was Honey, you're ruining our kid <laughs> at gmail.com is the place to email. That's where this mom emailed. We hope that helped. And of course, we'll follow up and we'll find out hopefully next week. Yeah. Did this work? I haven't did the got, feelings notebook come out? I haven't got back to this mom yet or any parents or people who've gotten in touch. Too busy in, puking. It's too busy puking and too busy having no sleep. So we are back on track this week. And we're back. I, I've always wanted to do that. I've always wanted to do it. Let's, let's go to a commercial. We'll be back right after this. Yeah. I hosted the Moncrief show uh, a few weeks back. One of the most fun experiences I've ever had to be the guy in the chair going, we'll be back after these messages. And it's so handy yeah. in life. Like I thought <laughs> it'd be amazing in life to be able to go, OK, we're going to take a break. Just you're starting to annoy me. <laughs> You, you've you've goaded me one too many times playing Mario Kart. We're going to take a break. <laughs> and we're back. My <laughs> nine-year-old daughter has been asking more and more questions recently about where babies come from. I mean, I'm asking the same questions myself. <laughs> and how they are made. It's probably because her auntie is expecting it and she thinks the whole thing is just incredible, which it is. Mm-hmm. I've seen your auntie and it's amazing that she got anybody to impregnate her. <laughs> oh my God. Charlotte, that's a terrible joke. Terrible joke. I feel very unsure about what I should and shouldn't tell her. Okay, this is a brilliant email. Yeah. Or indeed, how much detail I should go into with a nine-year-old. I want to be honest with her, but I don't want to scare her either. 
really at a loss and worried she'll ask somebody else and I'll miss my birds and the bees window. Well, it's a miracle she doesn't know already if she's nine. That's a miracle. Well, this is me. the other thing. She may know and want clarification. Mm. I don't understand the reluctance to just talk about sex with kids and your body and the reproductive system. I don't I understand do. it. Well, maybe you do. But from an educator's point of view and from working with small children, I just know how much it protects them. Knowledge protects them. Mm. The more they know about these things, the more they are protected from Got the creepy and stranger. And I think even the people that are reluctant to talk mm. know, uh, I would agree with you. Yeah. The reluctance comes from the fear of saying it wrongly. Okay, maybe that's it. Yeah. And embedding that in the vinyl, in the DNA. But that's why you go to the biological book. So this is what Bio- you're suggesting. No, biology book. The biological the book. The biological book. The bu- go to a biology book. Yeah, are you, you know, one of those human books. Oh, sorry. I thought you were about to recommend a great book which had a great kind of narrative or speech that you can give. No, I think you just keep it very factual. Kids love facts. Right. Show them the body. So an actual anatomy yeah. thing. Tell them, go to the reproductive system. Just Tell them very matter-of-factly the things. You these don't are have the to, bits. These are the bits. This is what their jobs are. This is the function. This comes out here. Yeah. yeah. This is how the baby grows inside. Just tell them. They won't wonder. They're going to feel so safe knowing. Okay. I, I know. know it. I know it now. Yeah. And uh, I mean, remember that museum we used to love bringing Mikey to in Bristol? Mm. Where you actually get to go inside the womb and yeah. everything. I mean, and you get to see all the stages of pregnancy. Yeah. And the, I mean, Amazing. kids are fascinated by it. Mm. And if from a sexual point of view and from them being sexually aware. What do you mean from a sexual point of view? Well, I guess from a sexual education point of view. First of all, I think nine. I'm astonished that that child doesn't know that by now. That's why I think they because do. Because they've heard some chats. The curriculum should have already mm. done that. I'm not sure what the difference is between the curriculum and sex education. I don't know where this lives. Yes, that's true. Maybe they're not in Ireland. In England, I mean, they learn that in nursery and, yeah. and there's big, big, big debates over this. And, you know, some people do there pull are, their kid from that yeah. because they're not sure that, that they think that's too soon. And that's up to everybody. Honestly, though, if I could get one message across to parents is the more informed your child is about the parts of their body, their private parts, what they're for, the more protected you, your child is. They're safe. When they know their vagina, their vulva, their private space. I used to say to my kids, we all have the right to feel safe all of the time. And that is how we would begin our sex education lessons. And I'm talking with three and four year olds. The more they know that their private body, private parts are just for them and that nobody is supposed to touch them or look at them or ask about them, the more the more armed your child is to tell you that guy tried to touch my vagina today. Okay. Your child isn't is gonna know that's wrong. Mm. I know that's my private bits, and you're not supposed. To, no one's supposed to go near that. And it's it's been proven to to protect children from being interfered with and I'm, being vulnerable. I'm so happy to hear you say this and articulate it the way you have to, because I am actually part of a 
campaign that you helped me get into. Yeah, and the We Consent campaign we consent for the campaign, Dublin Crisis Centre. The Dublin Rape Crisis, Crisis Centre. Yeah. I'm going to be doing a thing next week oh. for with Jared Gilroy and a few others. And we're going to actually loop up with them for an episode. Yeah, I'm going yeah. to bring someone on here to talk about this because it is such an important thing. Yeah. And it just seems so funny in a country with so much of this in its past mm. that we're all a little bit wary of it. But it is fear. But yeah. what I know from being a person who makes his living from talking mm-hmm. that you're always surprised about the release mm. from delving into the areas that people are reluctant to talk about that just the sensation of yeah. puncturing silence yeah I think is great I think the fear parents have is that they're going to have to start talking about their own sexual intercourse with their child mm. and that you know they're too embarrassed about that. But it's actually just keeping it very fact-based. Speaking in facts, it's quite empowering as a parent. And it actually, as well, your child doesn't doesn't attach the kind of um, mortification to it then. Yeah. So the they're co- like, this is all very, yeah. this is all very matter so of fact. So when she says, I feel unsure about what mm. I should and shouldn't tell her. Yeah. The biology book will actually answer that question. Yeah. And you read it together. And it's actually the more you tell her, the safer your child is. Mm. And why not? But she's the, the line that you're saying, though, yeah. th- that she's worried about is what relationships look like. Well, it's also the, the next questions mm. because children are so inquisitive. She's going to ask more and more questions, but just take them one at a time as they come. And if there's a question you're not comfortable with answering, it's actually OK for you to say to your child, you're a little bit young for that question yet. But when you're older, I'll be comfortable to talk to you about that. Yeah. That's OK, too. That's very respectful. And your child needs to respect your space, too. So but if I'm, she's asking the question, like you're saying, just keep it factual. It's like mm. these, this is this. When this gets inserted here, um, this um, well, um, That's why the book fertilized. is amazing, because the book will have the language you need. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, the next question is going to be, and which men do that? Mm. And, you know, is that where you get into the whole thing of when a man and a woman very much love each other? Like, yeah. that's the that's the part of it. That's the that's the hard right turn. Well, that's why sticking to the science and the facts is so freeing, because you can be like, uh, you this won't is have the, those feelings. To, no, oh, this right. is the function. This is the right. functionality of these parts of your body. And if you know, if you when the time comes for you to have a baby, this is how it works. Mm. Now, she's nine years old, so you don't need to start talking to her about actually having sex yet. So you can but if she go. asks those questions, I wouldn't shy away from answering them. So would you say um, you're too young to have those feelings yet? Yeah. But we will talk about that bit later yeah, on. Yeah, because scientifically, she is too young. She's not going to feel these needs and she's not mm. going to feel like she really wants a baby or to do to have sex yet to make a baby but you can completely just stick to the scientific factual information and just be really like the more you lead it and if always she says, they will follow so the more comfortable few, you are the more comfortable she'll be with your answers is it okay Tina if I throw a few difficult questions on, at you and how you would handle them if I'm going to play okay. the role of this mom and she's gone the route you said she's biology book in front of her she's going through it she's mm. reading the language um, and when does this happen, mummy? When will I get to have a baby? 
Well, I would just say it all depends. It's all different. We used to. Used, women used to be expected to have babies when they were really young. But now people are leaving it later and later. And it depends when you meet the right person and you decide you want to start your family. That's when you would start thinking about doing this. Who's the youngest person, mommy, ever to have a baby? That's a really good question. And like I just said, people used to, Can you believe that people used to become moms when they were teenagers? But now, now that's not as common. Sometimes it does happen. You know, sometimes that's why. And then if that question comes up, you have to be ready to talk about things you do at that age to stop yourself becoming pregnant. And what's illegal? Oh, oh, yeah. Well, that is tricky. But if it comes up, it comes up. I'm never shy away from Mm. these questions. So that's what I mean about her. I can feel off the email that she's like. There, there is an, a lot mm. of potential questions, yeah. but I think that the best way for you as a mom to go uh, to address it is to have the first chat yeah. and then maybe say, why don't we talk about that tomorrow? It's also, if you can come from it from a point of view, is, is this so exciting? Because she trusts you enough mm. to ask. She feels safe enough to come to you. That is rare. Yeah. That is so rare. And it's quite special. So keep the conversation open. It's okay to say to her that your body's not ready for this until much later. And right now you have a body of a little girl. I mean, it is important that if you have a child, 9, 10, 11, 12, that you are preparing them for the changes that are about to happen and why these changes are about to happen in their body because they're about to become somebody who will be able to hopefully house a baby Hmm. later in life. Wow. Well, I'm really glad this person sent this email in and it does open us up for that part of our series that we will be going into. Yeah. And if you you have questions around this, if maybe you've had your birds in the biggest chat and it hasn't gone great, Email the show, honey, you are ruining our kid at gmail.com. Tina replies to absolutely everybody. Yeah. And we're going to find out again, as I said, how this goes for this mom in weeks to come. Yeah, and it is it is realistically, once they start asking and you start answering, there's going to be loads. Yeah. So you do have to be ready. Get ready. Be yeah. ready. Don't go there until you're ready for yeah. it because there's going to be lots. Hey, Tina and Jar. I know you've talked about this on the show loads before and I was inclined to agree with you until we recently had to start travelling a lot more due to my husband's job. Of late, we've brought the iPads with us. At the moment, it seems to be the only way to get them to behave in restaurants and at the airport. It is killing me to have to do this, to enter the club of parents who put their kids on iPads to keep them from wrecking their heads. I need your help. I feel like I've gone down the rabbit hole. We're in too deep now and we can't get them off them. Now, the only way to stop the tantrum for the iPad is to produce the iPad. Please help. <laughs> oh, it's it's going down for real. <laughs> Tina, it's your favourite subject. Jared just gave me the fingers, double fingers. <laughs> he just went, take, try, deal take, with that. deal with that, Tina. Um, look, everybody knows how I feel about kids on iPhones or iPads but in restaurants. But this is the real, I don't, Tina, I'm, this I'm is sorry. what parenting is now. No. This is a real no. life question. No. no, no, no. What do you mean, no, no, no? 
I'm sorry. I'm never going to. Melting her brain. I don't care. That's what kids do. I'm never going to agree with you putting your kid on an iPad in a restaurant. And it sounds like she doesn't either. Yeah. I'm not going to help her agree with it. I'm not going to make her feel better about it. I'm sorry. She's not asking you, for you, that. You need to think outside the box and bring other things for them to do. But, she's but traveling is different. Okay? That's different. Okay. If she's at the airport and on a plane and they're already stressed and there's a lot of stuff going on, you're just trying to keep them in the area, that's different. And how do you make it workable? You put rules on that stuff. You put rules on it. You tell your kids, yes, mommy is okay. Would you being on the iPad or your screen or your Wii or whatever it is, I don't know, switch at the airport at these certain times. But when you are told to come off, you need to come off. And it's not the only option at the airport. We need to have other things in your bag that you can do because I'm sorry, your child is going to have the m- maximum meltdown if you leave them on the, that stuff all the true, time. True enough. I am never going to tell a mom and dad or an aunt and uncle or a friend that it's acceptable because it's not. You're actually, all you're doing is ensuring that that kid has a massive temper tantrum because none of them, not one of them are able to come off that stuff if they've been on it too long and be normal, friendly, mm, It's too happy. much for their brain. No. It, it, the end result is actually worse, you know, but traveling is different. That's different. But I'm sorry. I know we don't judge people. We don't. But it breaks my heart. Like it breaks my heart when I go into a restaurant and I see kids on screens. I'm like, why did you bother coming out as a family? Mm. I'm sorry. It's not the option. Really? Really? You need to come out and put your child on a screen. That's all you've got. I just don't get it. And why bother? You're not socializing. What you're teaching your child to do is just not be there, not be part of it. And then the very same parents will be like, oh, you're not taking part in the conversation. You'd already, uh, you've or already. Or they just write that off and yeah, they're like, my already, kids are very antisocial. You've you're already like, allowed you've, them you've to. facilitated the antisocial. And, and honestly, a book is nearly as bad. A book at the dinner table. Just because your kid is great at reading doesn't mean it's acceptable for them to bring their book and eat their dinner in a restaurant while you're supposed to be socialising. That is true as well. That it's not all screen, is it? it's not all screen. This is about more grace and courtesy. And like I say, whatever, it has to be workable. So if your kid needs a screen in a restaurant to sit in her chair, okay. But not when you're eating. That's not okay. Because you are practicing a type of socialization that's not real world. And then you're going to expect your child to know how to behave at dinner when you've never actually told them, shown them or enforced them to. So back to the question. Yeah. The question is, this mom recognizes that she done screwed up. Yeah. And she's looking for me to say it's okay. It's not. I don't think so. She seems like a really nice mom. (laughs) (laughs) I'm never going to say that's okay because we're seeing so much. Yeah, but you're just annoying me now because you're like, I know that Tina hates iPads. Yeah, I do because I see what's happening to kids. You can say you hate iPads and that this is all wrong all you like, Mm. but now they're in the shit. Yeah, she's in the shit, so she needs to redraw the lines. Very easy. First of all, sit down with them. Hopefully these kids are able to talk and walk, mm-hmm. you know, if she, if they're on screens this much. You sit down with them and you say, okay, it's all gone a bit out of control. Mommy doesn't like iPads. It's actually not good for your health to be on them this much. It's not good for your eyes. It's not good for your concentration. Explain all this to them. But I understand that you love them. I'm not going to take them away. Kids are addicted now. 
Okay. You can't just take it away. You can't. That's unfair. Okay. Absolutely unfair. I know that myself. I'm not saying our child's an angel. He fucking lives for his uh, switch. Yeah, but it never appears in a restaurant. No, I would never do that. And what you do is you read your other lines. And if, if for your own sanity, you need that screen in the restaurant to keep them in their chairs, fair enough. But you have to, you have to believe in your kids enough to be able to come off the screen to enjoy dinner and eating with you in conversation. Mm. That is something that has to be be practiced. Us getting someone on Mm. around the impact of these things on your kid's brain. Yeah. Well, what I've seen, which has broken my heart from working in early years, is kids coming in who don't know how to hold a pencil with underdeveloped hands that only know how to press screens. Yeah. Kids coming in who have no concentration, like they cannot sit in group time for 10 minutes. Whoa. Without some kind of because stimulus. Because of too much iPads. Too much iPads. And the worst one is kids who don't know how to play with toys. I have seen that so much. Like earlier teachers are not now only having to prepare the hand for writing and get sounds. They're actually having to teach children how to play with Flip toys. Hell. So we're actually heading towards a cliff with this. Well, it, as it, a culture, as I a know society. from being an earlier teacher that the most thing that's talked about at the moment is the impact of screens on kids' actual playing. Well, if that, Their imagination yeah. and their play and their com- conversation, you know? Because, mm. and also, you, for a moment, think about the impact of suggesting to your child, go on that and just, you know... Be over there. Put be the over headphones there. on. Uh, I'm giving you permission to just completely extract yourself from mm. society and be in your own world. But in a few minutes, I'm going to expect you to be back in when we know that's not actually possible. Mm. You can't just expect them to be on the screen, off the screen. You know, it's really, really like I'm not going to judge you. If I come into a restaurant and I see you on the screen, I'm not going to judge you. I'm going to think they must have their reasons. Mm. I'll always give you the benefit of the doubt. And I get it. We've done it before. where We always bring a book or coloring pencils or some kind of game. And Mikey does that until the food comes. But when the food is there... No, but traveling is different. Traveling rules go out the window. Like, look at us but yesterday. Still need, rules go out the window, but you're saying we still need the you, rules. You need your own rules on yeah. your family then. And your kids need to have some kind of boundaries or you're just, you're wherever you're going to, the first few hours is going to be a be nightmare because your kids are going to be mentally worn out. Well, I hope that's a help to this email. Yeah. And sorry I got so angry there, but <laughs> like, you don't know what I'm dealing with. Jarla's looking at me like, like that kid who we talked the, about. The smirker. Smirker. He started like, oh, I know you hate this, Tina. So, and that did make me annoyed. Yeah, sorry for that, Tina. But I just read the emails. That's my role here. Yeah, but you didn't just read the emails. You sat back in your chair and gave, gave me the you fingers. double fingers. <laughs> Deal with that. <laughs> That's our episode for this week, Tina. Thanks so much for doing it. And I know that uh, you're in terrible form because your battery is so low and so is mine. And, you know, we're both doing our best, even though I think I'm melting your head and you're melting mine a little bit. Really unnecessarily <laughs> honest of you, Derek Jarlett. <laughs> well, it happens to the best of us. Well, I, mean, I know if there's any comedian partners or wives tuning in, they'll know what it's like to be around a comedian when they're on tour. And it's pretty high fucking oh, it's barely a tour, guys. All I'm doing is going to Galway Town Hall Theatre on May 25th. Uh, Cork the Everyman Theatre on May 12th. Uh, Thurless on May 20th. 
Dreekt in Blanchardstown, May 18th and 19th. There's Dundrum l- this Saturday. Ninety percent uh, of these are completely sold out, but there is a waiting list at the venue, except for Cork, Galway, and Thurles. There's still some tickets there. I'm not really doing a tour here. I'm putting in dates in the places I love going to. Okay. Bloomsbury Theatre was a <laughs> huge event. Yeah, Bloomsbury not made is easier by uh, the Mohammedan bug and flu. But thank you guys for your understanding on that. Uh, even though I wasn't getting much understanding here at home, <laughs> oh, fuck off. I got a lot I'm of understanding so nice from you guys. Uh, I'm, uh, she thinks she's nice to me. I think <laughs> that the material proves that she's not <laughs> and that I like it on some level and that I have created my own bed. I am really nice. I'm just all about, you know, being realistic. It's always, you always, it's always really convincing when someone else says they are really nice. <laughs> <laughs> Taking your self-confidence like, well, I'm, in fairness to me, I'm a nice person you're the problem. I'm so glad we got to do this episode today and we're recording again tomorrow. So we'll have loads more. <laughs> my face, my face. <laughs> but then the we'll show. have caught up. Then we'll have caught up. See, Charlotte's is stressed out because he's got four podcasts on the go and yeah. it's a huge commitment you'd have to say. You can hear them all on patreon.com forward slash Abroad. We'll be back with Marion McKeown on Friday with you. It up at six o'clock this morning. I'm training for a marathon. April 23rd. I'm running the London Marathon. So I have to get my marathon training back on track. I got to go. Thank you so much, everybody. (laughs) Bye bye. Thank you so much for tuning in and keep the emails coming to honey. You are ruining our kid at gmail.com.